0: Okay, wait, I'll just just read off all of your companies, Elon. I I know them, but I'm just gonna read them to make sure I don't miss one, because there's so many now. Uh, Founder, CEO, chief engineer of SpaceX, uh, CEO, product architect, and chairman of Tesla. uh, Owner, chairman, CTO of uh, X, uh, X X.com, founder of Boring Company, co-founder of Neuralink and OpenAI, and president of the Musk Foundation. Did I get everything? Uh, we open source it to the fans and they just gone
1: crazy with it. Where are you? Guys. I mean it is coming. <laughs> so it's kind of absurd. Where are you at Starbase?
2: Um I'm in play currently, so this is a this is a Starlink and Plague uh, connection.
1: Are you kidding me? That, that's oh yeah, that works pretty well, huh? <laughs> I think there's only one.
2: <laughs>
1: Wait, I think it's one of test one. test of,
2: of how Starlink works uh, at, in an airplane at altitude.
1: There's only one of those in existence, right? It's on your plane. That's it. One of one.
2: There are a number of airliners that uh, have uh, Starlink, and there'll be a lot more in the future. Nice. Uh, the, the Starlink connection, when you know, assuming it's working properly, is you won't even be able to tell you you're on the ground or in the air. Um, Because unlike the geosynchronous satellites, uh, the latency is, you know, really can be less than 20 milliseconds. So um, it's, uh, in fact, for a lot of, (laughs) I think for some people, the sonic connection on the plane will be better than their connection at their house.
1: That'd be pretty great. Um, How how is um, the Starship doing? It was incredible to see the first uh, launch, but I understand you're closing in on the second. I know you've been working really hard on that, and the team's working hard on it. Um, what, when do you think you're going to get the next one up and um, what are the chances it makes it to orbit?
2: Uh, well, we have the second one stacked uh, at Starbase, so it's ready to go. Um, and uh, we just finished that up in the last week. Uh, we believe we've, we've completed the remaining um, items requested by the FAA, so we should get our license hopefully soon. Um, but re- really, the only thing holding back the uh, second plan of Starship at this point is the
1: Wow. Uh, and what's your expectation, uh, or your hope, in terms of the probability that it gets to orbit?
2: You know, it's just a question of timing. How long it just take to get the approval of paperwork and whatnot? Um, so that's really up to the FAA at this point.
1: Yeah. But but what about making it to orbit? Do you think oh, you got a shot this time?
2: NCAA, we are doing a, a new staging technique called hot staging, uh, where. Um, you light the, upsta- the, the upstage engines or the ship engines while the um, boost stage is still firing. And um, this, is the, kind of, this is the most efficient way to do stage separation of a rocket during orbit. Um, but we did not try that on the last mission, and, and we're trying it on this mission. We think it will be overall better. Um, but I, I think this, I think probably have well, a, I hope, well over 50% chance of getting to stage separation. Um, and maybe a close to 50% chance of getting to orbit if the hot staging, um, the new separation method uh, is it works. So I'd say maybe it's like a, you know, above, I'd say probably above 30% chance of getting to orbit this time, whereas previously I said below 50. Mm.
1: Uh, is this, in terms of complexity, how complex is this of a problem compared to the other problems you've worked on in your career?
2: Uh, well, so, I mean, ma- making a rocket that is more than twice the size of the Saturn V, um, you know, it's, a. in fact, with, with next extra of the rocket, it'll have roughly three times the thrust of a Saturn V moon rocket, um, moreover, it's designed to be fully and rapidly reusable, whereas the, you know, the Saturn V was completely expandable, and with Falcon 9, we, we still expand the upper stage. Uh, but we, we bring back the boost stage, as people have probably seen the, the rocket landing videos, and we are also able to recover the variant um, with, with the Falcon 9. But it, it, these things do land typically out to sea, so it takes a while to bring them back to port and get them ready for flight again. The thing that, you know, so, so there's the scale of Starship, but then also the fact that it is designed for full and rapid reusability, so that both the booster and the ship come back to the launch site. They get caught by these giant Godzilla's. You've seen Congress as uh, Godzilla. Uh, it's basically that uh, catches this giant rocket out of you know midair and puts it back on the launch stand and gets ready for launch. So it will be capable of you know basically aircraft level flight rates, um, but but it's much bigger than say a seven forty seven or an Um uh, <clears throat>
3: Elon, can we um, talk about the events of, uh, was it last weekend, the whole Ukraine Starlink thing? Can you give us like, a, the TikTok of like what's going on and like how you're being forced to decide?
0: <laughs> 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 uh,
3: but like, w- what is it like in that decision room, if there was one, or wherever you were, where you're trying to figure out, am I keeping this on? Do I turn it off? What is going on? People must have been bombarding you. Whatever you can share about what that was like. How you made the decision
2: um yeah i, I so uh, i was actually mistaken uh, a little bit in his understanding the situation um you know obviously we, we, spacex have provided uh starlink connectivity for you know to ukraine um really since the beginning of the war uh we're really within a, having a few days of the war starting um and as the ukrainian uh government said the uh, Stolypin was, was instrumental in the defense of Ukraine. So you know they've said that really many times, although the media forgets to mention that. Um, so and in fact they've said it on Twitter, uh, in, you know X, fully known as Twitter. <laughs> 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 it's going to take a
1: while to get that right. Yeah,
2: It'll hey, take hey, a little hey. time. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> so. You know, you don't have you to take my word for it. You just read what what they posted. Um, you know, uh, so uh, so Soli has been incredibly helpful to the Ukraine War effort. Um, we've we've you know, gone out of pocket uh, very significantly uh, to help them. Um, and um, at, the, at the time this happened, the uh, region around you, you, uh, Crimea, um was actually turned off. Now, the reason it was turned off was actually originally was because the United States has sanctions against Russia um, and we're not allowed to actually, and that includes Crimea in the sanctions, (laughs) and we're not allowed to actually turn on uh, connectivity to a sanctioned country without explicit government approval um, which we did not have from the U.S. government. So, so so basically the, uh, look at, you know, Ukraine didn't, they didn't give us any, any advance warning or heads-up or anything. Um, but we just got these the sort of uh, urgent calls from the Ukrainian government saying that we needed to turn on Crimea. It's like in the middle of the night, basically. <laughs> We're like, what are you talking about, you know? We you lost? What's it for? <laughs> um, you know, and, and then, you know, we, we basically um, figured out that this was, Kind of like a Pearl Harbor type attack on um, this festival, on the Russian Phoenix festival. So they're really asking us for to, to really proactively take part in a major act of war. Um, and um, you know, while we have, so, so certainly have huge support for the Ukrainian government, um, the Ukrainian government is not in charge of U.S. Uh, people or companies. Uh, that's not how it works. Yeah.
0: And, and Elon, if, if I could just, yeah. But,
2: but I, I should say that, you know, well, although I'm not uh, President Biden's biggest fan, if, if I had received a presidential directive to turn it on, I would have done so. Because I do regard the president as the chief executive officer of the country, whether I want that to be the, 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 the president or not, I still respect the office. And so if, if you know, if we have gotten, gotten a request from the president type of thing, from the American president, very clear yeah. um, then, <laughs> <laughs> then I, I would have turned it on you know so but those no such requests came through
0: that, that's a really that's a really wow. interesting point and um, you're i mean the, the what jama is referring to is you're now being attacked i saw there was a you know there was jake tapper uh, the other day on cnn interviewing our secretary of state was just he was all lathered up basically attacking you for this uh, david yeah. David I mean, I mean it's
2: I mean, it, it, to his credit, uh, Secretary Blinken was actually quite supportive, yeah. despite the absurd, uh, you know, accusations and the questions of the Jake Tapper on you know. CNN.
0: Yeah, um, he didn't take the bait. So, to his credit, you
2: know, to Secretary Blinken, in this regard, uh, for not, um, you know, taking the bait at all.
0: Yeah. Well, I, to me, this is an example of no good deed goes unpunished. Because if you had never given. Oh,
2: oh, I, hope so. I hope some good deeds <laughs> <not> go unpunished. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you, if you had never given Starlink. just
2: aspires to that, you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean, my point is just if, if you had never given Starlink to the Ukrainian government for free, voluntarily, you just volunteered it, then no one would be attacking you right now for not turning it on so they could do their attack on Crimea. Yep. Um, also, one other thing I'll note is that your reason for not turning it on, which is you don't want to be part of what could be a major escalation, was exactly, yes. was exactly the reason the Biden administration did not give Atakums, Atakum missiles, to Ukraine at that point in the war. Now, they may be changing their yep. minds, but they were very worried about an attack, the administration was, an attack on Crimea triggering some huge escalation in this war. So not only did you not receive a directive from President Biden, your thinking was very much in line with theirs at the time. And right, yet, exactly. and, and you're being attacked for that now.
3: There, there's something you mentioned, which is that you did this at a lot of economic costs to SpaceX. Can That's you just right. ta- can you just talk about that for a second? Because I'm not sure people understand who's paying for what right now and who hasn't been paid and you know, Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um,
2: there's, um, well, as you say, like a lot of people contributed to the effort. Uh, Starlink is the fundamental communication backbone of the Ukrainian uh, government and, and essential services, like first responders and that kind of thing. Um, and, it, you know, is, is used, we, we hope peacefully, relatively peacefully, on the war front. It is the only thing that works on the war front. Everything else is being jammed by the Russians. So, it's the only thing that works, not, not one of the things. Um, yeah. you know but but i think you have to sort of think of say the you know the, um you know taking the actual example of Pearl harbor and say like well how did that work out for japan it didn't work out well at all, right. um, because it was a a tactical victory a strategic defeat it enraged the american public um who, who, who sort of naturally wanted vengeance for, for the sack you know the sack and I think that, that you know while I don't think it's on the same scale that there was certainly that potential of, of sort of a mini Pearl Harbor with results in a mass es- escalation of uh, hostilities. Um, but not this this would this would not this would not defeat Russia, it would en- enrage Russia.
3: Do you donate obviously. do you donate
2: the um, network or do they pay you for it? Sorry? Oh, of, yeah. So, um, I, I'm actually not sure what the final accounting is at, at this point, but uh, I, I think, at, at one point, at one point, uh, you calculated our sort of cost of supporting things that are roughly $100 million. Now, the $100 million does not count um, the massive risk to the entire Starlink constellation, uh, because uh, Russia would like to have the entire thing deleted. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, no, nobody's compensating us for that. Um, and uh, so if we were to get, say, uh, our control center were uh, take down a cyber attack, they could know, command all the satellites to the orbit um, and destroy the entire system uh, or use anti-satellite weapons. Um, so, you know, th- these are, this is a pretty significant risk. Um, for which we have not received any compensation and obviously it would be catastrophic to the entire stalling system which is, you know, approaching $10 billion.
4: Elon, do you think the current government uh, administration- I'm not one saying, hey, $10 billion. And,
2: yeah. and then, actually, I'd say one of the uh, rather vexing things was, as, you, as you've as seen this, there's a very large amount of money that's been appropriated for uh, Ukraine. You know, I'm not sure what the, t- the total is at this point, but <laughs> it must be 100, close to 100 billion, or somewhere between 80 and 100 billion. Um, you know, now, all of the, you know, other sort of providers, the U.S. providers of support to Ukraine are being paid. So then why should SpaceX be excluded? That doesn't make sense. We're, we're, we're doing one of the most valuable things and yet are getting the least money, this is absurd. But, you know, despite that, we're still happy to keep, keep it going. And... Um,
4: Elon, does the Biden administration have it out for you? and why?
2: Uh, why did we give you that idea? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but l- let me ask, y- you own and I- control. I, mean, I don't, I don't know if the whole administration has that. Right. right. I think there's probably is aspects it, of the administration is it, that is are it, not, uh, or, or you know, as, aspects of you know, interests aligned with President uh, with, with, with Biden, who probably do not, um, Wish good things for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know, really what their issue is, but th- th- there does seem to be um, a significant increase in the weaponization of government, um, and um, I would say really sort of misuse of prosecutorial discretion in, in a many, many, many areas. Where, and I-, and I think this is this is really a dangerous thing for. Um, you know, for I don't know, for for, for there to be partisan politics with, with with government agencies, it's it's just really. And then I think from you know for, for, from from say, uh, you know, a, a, a Democratic Party standpoint, or or say a Biden administration standpoint, I think this is this is, the, the danger here is that if there's a significant um, Misuse use of prosecutorial discretion. Let's say one says, okay, everyone's equal under the law. Yes, but who are you, who are you choosing to pursue? Um, and if, you, if, you're, if you're pursuing what, what appeared to independent voters to be uh, trivial cases while ignoring serious crimes, um, it's hard to imagine that a lot of independent voters, that that's gonna win over thoughtful mm-hmm. independent voters.
4: Did, this, did things change when you bought Twitter? X.
2: Yeah, I think they did. They did change somewhat. Um, you know, I'll go with the with with the sort of you know the, the X platform is really to be uh, a level playing field, a public sphere that is supportive of um, you know most of the country. Let's say that the middle eighty percent or something like that. Um, now. Um, that's not been the case, really, for all social media. all social media have been really very, very left-leaning, far left-leaning, and really, Twitter was far left-leaning. Um, you know, the, the, the suspensions of, say, um, Republican candidates or interests or voices was, was uh, really at least ten times the rate of, uh, of um, suppression of left-left wing voices on you know on all Twitter. Um, so, so you know, it, what, what I'm trying to do is move it to the middle, which from the standpoint of, say the left, appears, it, it is moving to the right, everything's relative, <laughs> if you're standing on the left. <laughs> but it's not, it's simply moving to the middle, <laughs> that's all, um, in an attempt to actually represent the whole country, um, and, and not just, um, you know, half the country, or even maybe less than half the country. So, that's it, really. So I think there's like there's really nothing to be alarmed about here. It's you know it's just that it, it's it intended to be a town square inclusive of the whole country and also you know and, and the world. That's all. It's
1: been um, I guess you took over um, X Twitter on Halloween weekend if I remember correctly uh, when you got to the building and you got the keys um, and David and I were yeah. lucky to be there with you when you got the keys and we got to. Um, check things out. Um, This is 10 months into the turnaround, uh, and it wasn't a high-functioning organization, I think, when you took it over. Where is the company at now, and are you pleased with, I guess, the progress? Because it looks like new features are getting launched. The product velocity is great. Uh, Obviously, advertising's been challenging, but it feels like there's some green shoots. So, So how do you feel about the purchase now?
2: Yeah, well, I, I should say, we've recently seen a significant uh, increase in advertising, which is great. Um, so that's a, you know, if, if that trend continues, um, I think the company will be in, in very good financial shape on the advertising front. Um, so that, in terms of positive developments, that that seems to be one of them. Um, and um, sure. from a feature standpoint, I think that those who are looking, using the system, I think we've... I think we might have delivered a little bit more new features, you know, in the last I don't know year than in the last, you know, all, all Twitter did in five years. You know, there's there's really the feature the feature development pace is very rapid, um, and this has been done with really about 15 percent of the original company, um, maybe a little more, 15 to 20 percent. So it's it's really, you know. Efficient. Uh, you know, you know. At the end of the day, you have to say, you know, how complicated is a system uh, like the X Twitter platform? Um, you know, it, it, how different is it from a group chat? Frankly, it's like a group chat at scale. Um, so, we, I don't think you need an army to maintain a group chat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. It's not the self-driving platform, and it had <laughs> maybe ten times as many people working on it as the self-driving platform at Tesla, which Correct. seems crazy.
2: It, it, the entire self-driving AI software team is two hundred people, and uh, what they're doing is much more complex than Twitter. Yeah, or, you know, much more, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> yeah. so, well, um, it, you know, there's other things that. Obviously, it need to be done like uh, advertising sales. you um, obviously network operations, and um, how can you talk you know, to us about but no, It's really not. It's not a. It's not a huge. I, I don't. Like I said, I don't even know. I mean, for 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 what we're doing here, and I think you know the people that that are um, still at the company are obviously being very productive in uh, creating and delivering new features. Um, and, um you know we, we keep seeing some sort of record record usage and, and I, the, the you know the most of a rigorous number is really the is user seconds as reported by the mobile device especially iOS the I you know, the iOS uh court what our reports as the screen time is the is, is the least gainful metric um and the, and those numbers are extremely are very good um, so you know I think of course, to the optimistic about where things are headed. And I, I, I feel like the company's turned just you know just recently turned, turned a corner. Um, tell, tell us and, about. Yes, you know, well, um, at least moderate prosperity and, and hopefully significant.
3: Tell us about um, the success of sharing revenue. Why did you do it? And then just the, the vision you have for just the creator economy and what you want that to evolve into and build into.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds the reason that if, if you're a creator and you, know, you, need to, um, you need to make a living for what you doing. Um, so there's, there's got to be um, you know fair compensation and competitive compensation for a creator, whether they're doing you know write, writing or pictures, video, whatever the case may be. Um, and uh, so we're, and we're not so we're not really you know inventing anything new here. We're just you know as YouTube does with creators, they will ship, do rev share um, with advertising and so we're doing rev show with advertising um, we're also, you know, obviously they have enabled direct subscription to uh, accounts where whatever that somebody, you know, you, you could be doing audio, video, long form text, anything, and you could subscribe to someone and um, that's, you know, obviously that's a way for a subscriber to make a living as well, as well you know, or for, or for a creator to make a living. So the, the intent is for the X platform to be the best home for creators, uh, where if you've got interesting content, then you want to put it on our platform. And, um, you know, I, there's a lot of questions about, like, sort of, the algorithm and whatnot. I I should mention, like, the, the algorithm is, uh, I think, almost all of it is open sourced, and, and we will, uh, I think, quite soon have the entire thing open sourced. Uh, the only reason I, it, it really hasn't been done entirely open sourced yet is because we're somewhat embarrassed with the code and need to just clean it up before uh, putting something extremely embarrassing out there, but the point is that like we we want uh, tr- transparency builds trust, and if you've got um, uh, if, if you if you can recreate the results um, on the X platform of, of how viral a post is going to be independently using the uh, you know the, the public algorithm, you know the algorithm, um, that that's really where we want to get to. Um, so you you kind of. You kind of know what to expect, um, and and why something happened. Um, now, now I should say that the we are we are trying to optimize for uh, user time um, on the platform. What this naturally means is that um, posting content that someone looks at longer is going to get higher priority than content that is short, uh, just because the system is trying to. It's, it's it's aspiring to maximize uh, unregretted user minutes. is what I call it. So like, basically, how do we, um, if, if we're succeeding, you want to spend more time on the platform, and you want to, and, and, and after having spent that time, you don't want to regret it. Um, I mean, speaking of TikTok, um, you, you know, I've heard a lot of people tell me they spend a lot of time on TikTok and they regret it. Um, <laughs> we don't want to be, we want it to be that you spend a lot of time on the X platform, and you learned a lot, uh, you you're entertained, and you don't regret it. So when you're optimizing for you know, user minutes, and like I said, aspirationally, unregretted user minutes, uh, uh, the, the, if you post, the more content that you post on the system, the more reach that uh, thing will get, because the system is saying, oh, the user is spending more time on the platform, because they're, they're you know, seeing, say, your podcast or uh, reading um, a long-form article or, or watching some video, um, th- that's gonna get a lot more time than, say, if you, if you link to a video elsewhere or you link to an article elsewhere. That, that, that's just, that, that, yeah, that, that means you'll see people be on that post for a very short period of time. And so the, the system will be like, okay, that did not increase uh, user time. So it, it, will, it won't be excluded, but it, will, it, it will get less attention than, than actually posting content natively on the system.
3: Do you wanna talk um, about uh, the ADL and you uh, sort of where what the status of that is, whether you're pursuing a lawsuit or not, or where that stands?
2: Um, I think we'll have to see about that. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the fact of is that, matters that uh, ADL did Initiate a boycott. They don't call it a boycott. They call it a pause. But you know, a pause that is never ending is <laughs> boycott. Yeah. So, it's a <laughs> same thing. Um, so and, and and we just we saw a massive drop in uh, U.S. advertising. We saw basically no change in, in advertising in Asia. But domestically, with ADL is strong, we saw uh, a sixty percent drop in advertising. So you know, that's uh, pretty intense. Um, and, um, and this is despite you know, showing repeated uh, uh, analyses of the system, including third-party analysis of the system, which actually showed that uh, the number of uh, views of hateful content uh, declined. So, you know, the third parties who have all the data analyzed and said, actually, there's less hate speech. Um, the, the, the issue, I think, with the ADL is not a question of hate speech. It's not a question of anti says it's empty, obviously. Uh, it's that the ADL um, and a lot of other organizations have become activist organizations uh, which are acting far beyond their uh, stated mandate or their original mandate. And and I think far beyond what donors to those organizations think they are doing. Um, you know, uh, what, one of the things that the ADL was, was extremely opposed to, and in fact was instrumental in in happening was that the ADL was instrumental in getting um, Donald Trump de-platformed. Um, and then when we, 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 you know, we restored the account, um, that they, they made it super clear that they regarded simply restoring his account on, you know, Twitter and Alex. Uh, that, that, that constituted hateful speech. Well, he hasn't even said anything, you know. Um, he has to at least say something or post something for there to be incremental, painful, for content, this is absurd. Um, and what's this got to do with anti-Semitism? I, you know, Donald Trump's son-in-law is Jewish; he's Jewish grandchildren I'm pretty sure he's not anti-Semitic. Okay, yeah. um, he, you know, he's at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, this, this, so, so, so the problem is that a lot of these um, organizations, like I said, they've really been captured by the woke agenda, and they're they're pushing. Um, you know, a series of beliefs and values that I think are often uh, contrary to their, what, what they've done believe, belief, hey, and know. that's uh, that's what we have in this situation.
0: Well, um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll note that the, the two positions that you've taken that have brought the most heat on you, number one, defending free speech, number two, advocating peace. <laughs> <laughs> and- How
2: you dare really? you, Elon Musk? And,
0: yeah, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and there's- there's an article I'm,
2: I'm like, I'm in the opposite world or something. Yeah, you know? We're living in an upside world. down world.
0: There's there's an article in today's New Yorker calling you a supervillain because you're advocating peace and protecting the first amendment. I mean, it's like completely upside down. No, no, no,
1: no, no, no. Think, Do you want people to eat their uh, vegetables? You
2: know, at, at, at this point, you literally cannot tell actual press from parody. No. It's, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's like if that was uh, Babylon B or Onion, uh, <laughs> no, literally. I mean, you're, you're doing a, you're doing, a, you're doing and, and and change the banner to, you know, Babylon B or whatever Onion or something like that. Have <laughs> some parody thing, right. and be like, oh, oh, that's a good joke, you know. So, um, we, yeah, yeah superphones normally advocate for peace. That's, <laughs> you yeah, know, of course. Um, we the, want the, to get rid of your,
1: all the not nuclear, not weapons. nuclear weapons. weapons. Hey, um, so, um, Elon, well, hold, hold on, hold on,
2: There do uh, yeah, that's uh, a, yeah. what? <laughs> the, funniest,
1: the, the funniest skit that didn't make it on SNL that we were workshopping was probably Woke James Bond. And <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to do like this Woke James Bond and Elon will tell you some of the jokes. It was pretty hilarious. But then we were just talking about a story that broke in The Guardian about the new James Bond novel and short story is too woke and it's literally the parody we did
4: two years ago. Uh, <laughs> Elon, speaking of Keith, we had I mean, we had a and Gra- and Graham uh, Allison. The
2: reality, and, and also like the you know the uh, you know conspiracy theories that, that that haven't come true list is you know quite short. Conspiracy <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 theories that not turn true is quite short. Um, and we really need more conspiracies generated because we're running out of to find the truth. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, it's, okay, good. be that Ben is accurate. Um, so uh, I don't know who's the you know responsible for these conspiracy theories, but but if you know, we, we just need some more material.
4: Yeah. Paging Alex Jones. Yeah. Elon, we had Graham Allison here today. I know you talked about his book. We had Ray Dalio here. We had Ro Khanna, um, and we talked a lot about China, the US relationship with China. You you have several businesses that have deep supplier and customer relationships in China. Given what's going on, and clearly the tenor has changed, the, the mood has changed with respect to US policy towards China, what it's like in DC, what it's like in Silicon Valley, and how everyone talks about the relationship with China today, it's pretty crazy how quick things have changed. Um, as a business leader with all these business relationships with China, how do you make decisions and how things are changing, and how do you think about where this is headed?
2: Sure, well, I mean, let's just clarify here, um, you know, SpaceX has no, uh, SpaceX and Starlink have no in China whatsoever. Uh, we're, they're, not, we're, they're not allowed, to be, uh, we're, you know, SpaceX doesn't launch uh, China satellites, and Starlink is uh, banned in China. So. So we clear, SpaceX, Starlink, zero business in China. Um, uh, in the case of, of Tesla, uh, one of our about well, four vehicle factories, uh, one is in uh, China. So um, you know, it's a it's a significant uh, car market, uh, but it is uh, you know. So what I'm trying to say is, like, the, by far the bulk of, of my business interests, if if I, I were purely mercantile, which I aspire not to be. Um, are outside of China. Let's just be clear about that. Um, then, with respect to now, that said, I, I think I understand China well. I've been there many times. I've met with uh, the senior leadership um, uh, at many levels of China for, for many years, and so I I think I've got a pretty good understanding, of, um, at least a, as an outsider of China. So, and, and and Tesla has been very successful domestically in China. So. Um, you know, the, the fundamental thing here is, is really Taiwan. Um, the uh, China has, well, really since uh, for like half a century or so, it uh, may longer at this point, much longer at this point, their, their policy has been to, to um, sort of reunite Taiwan with China. Uh, from this standpoint, you know, it may be just analogous to like Hawaii or, or something like that. Like an integral part of China that is, arbitrarily not part of China. Um, mostly because of the, the U.S. Uh, has stopped, has, the U.S. Pacific Fleet has stopped uh, any any sort of um, reuni- reunification effort force. Mm-hmm. Um, so and now, re- really things getting to the point um, increasingly year over year, uh, where China's military strength is increasing, and ours is more or less uh, static. and Strategically, you know, you can imagine trying to defend Taiwan is not not easy because uh, it's it's very close to the coast of China. Um, so there will come a point, if, you know, probably not not too distant future, where China's military strength in that region far exceeds uh, exceeds U.S. military strength in that region. And if one is to take uh, China's policy literally, and probably one should. Um, then there will be some forceful, uh, uh, force will be used for, you know, uh, to incorporate Taiwan into China. This is what they've said um, that if, if there is not a diplomatic solution, there will be a solution by force.
3: Let me, um, uh, if I can. And so,
2: really, what's going on here, and you are seeing you know, this in, in many areas, and I think this tempo is going to increase, is that you know, both China and the U.S. are preparing for a potential showdown, uh, you know, in the South China Sea. So um, that's why you're seeing res- increasing restrictions on export of U.S. technology to China, uh, but such as the, the NVIDIA, you know, the NVIDIA H-100 is being banned, you're not ship it to China. Um, and I think there'll be more and more, you, you also know that ship, uh, advanced ship-making equipment to China, um, so, and I suspect, you know, China's gonna respond with some reciprocal sanctions, um, and was, I think you'll see this kind of a tit for tat, uh, reciprocal sanctions uh, increasing in the next, next few years. So I think quite a very uh, hot temperature. Um, and then we'll see, this is there gonna be a diplomatic solution to, uh, re- to reunification or a non diplomatic solution.
3: You, uh, but you,
2: it has made it clear that there will, one way or another, be a solution <laughs> from that standpoint.
3: Yeah. You mentioned uh, NVIDIA, so let me just talk about AI and bring it back to that for a second. Can you tell us um, your regrets, but also the positives of the experience you had with OpenAI, and then what your goals are with uh, xAI?
2: Well, the the AI discussion is is certainly a long one, or could be a long one. Um, Digital superintelligence might be the most significant technology that humanity ever creates. Um, And and it has the potential to be more dangerous than um, nuclear weapons. So, You know, in the case of creating OpenAI, it was to have have there not be a unipolar world where um, Google, with its subsidiary DeepMind, you know, would control an overwhelming amount of AI talent and compute and and resources, um, which then is somewhat dependent on basically how how Larry Page uh, and and Sergey Brin um, and Eric believe things should go because they, they're, between the three of them, or two, two out of three, have control over Alphabet because they've got super voting rights. And, um, you know, I was quite concerned based on some conversations I had with Larry Page, uh, where, um, you know, he called me a speciist for being <laughs> pro humanity. And um, <laughs> so I'm like, what side are you on, Larry? You know, uh, not now, as we can see. You know, I think and uh, so so you know, I felt like uncomfortable um, having the entire future of digital superintelligence be in the hands of someone who called me a species, uh, for being pro humanity. Um, you know, how can it not be? Uh so that's open AI was originally created as an open source nonprofit and now is a closed form it's appears to be it, it should be renamed really closed for max profit AI. <laughs> um <laughs> It is, it is closed, um, and they are aiming to, I think, they try to make $100 billion, I think, according to Sam Hoffman, uh, get $100 billion from somewhere for some vast amount of compute uh, to create digital god. Um, apparently, all the, the weights are stored in a comma-separated value file, by the way. So our <laughs> digital god will be a CSV file.
1: <laughs> How do we import it?
2: <laughs> file, yeah, import, god. It <laughs> um, so, so uh, anyway, the, so, so now uh, o- o- OpenAI is somewhat, uh, it's also very closely aligned with Microsoft. You know, Microsoft is really it, you know, um, the OpenAI servers are running on in, in Azure and Microsoft data centers. You know, my, so really, what you have is I think at the end of the day, Microsoft having more control than OpenAI. Uh, they have access to all the source code have access to all the weights of the um, you know GPT four and future versions, so they have all rights to this to the thing. It's not um, at, at any point really they can cut off OpenAI. I, I don't think OpenAI quite realizes the the dependence on on Microsoft. And even if Microsoft does break some contract, they'll just be tied up in litigation for you know for years. Um, so really, you've got a contest between kind of like Google and Microsoft. Google, as mentioned, I'm concerned about you know uh, Larry not not caring enough about AI safety, and um, good reason. And then Microsoft just is is a I think you know a, a profit-seeking organization, um, and I, I you know I think such is great, but um, I I can't say like you know that it would be difficult to. Say that, that Microsoft has a has an amazing track record and moral decision making. <laughs> so, uh, diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so the, the, so I was like, okay, look, let's just so it's, I think let's try to create a third company that is competitive. I I do, I do think Tesla is underrated from an AI standpoint in terms of real world AI. Tesla has the best real, real world AI. So. Uh, you know, hopefully between uh, XAI and uh, Tesla, there's kind of a third contender for well, visual supercomputers. Would you look? You've done uh,
3: you open source your patents at Tesla. You yeah. are very pro open source. Your source coded X. Would you ever considering releasing Dojo and FSD more as a platform substrate for everybody else, or that's sort of off the table right now?
2: Well, I don't know that. Uh, you know, in the case of, of say, Dojo, or our or inference hardware that's in the car, our inference computer, which is actually a lot, lot more computer than Dojo, by the way. Um, you know, we, we've got I don't know, somewhere in the order of 4 million cars that have um, high-speed AI inference computers in them. Um, you know, like open sourcing chip designs doesn't mean you, you suddenly get that thing. Yeah. You know, uh, so, um you can open source the software, but I think Chip Designs it's, they'll not need ones that can actually use those chips or really kinda yeah it, it would would be some, someone that's willing to, to spend many billions of dollars on um, on a computer development. So anyway, I think I think in the case of uh, you know, Dojo is interesting. Optimist is really interesting. Um anyway, I think just in general, Tesla is uh, one of the world's leading AI companies. Uh, and in some respects, the leading AI company when it comes to real real world AI, understanding the real world and, and actually reacting to that with self-driving. Um, and, and I think that will become part of the, the solution for AGI or general super intelligence. So, um, in the case of Tesla, I think we've got a sort of a a good governance structure, and that there's no super voting rights or anything like that. So, if I'm, you know, go crazy, the shareholders of Tesla can vote me out. Um, You know, I have enough vote to be, you know, I think moderately influential, but not enough to stay in even if I'm doing crazy stuff. So I think that's actually good.
4: Um, I was told we have to yeah. wrap him in oh, okay. of uh,
1: Just on FSD, before we wrap, I'll let you go. Um, we were talking earlier this year, and you said, uh, hey, maybe chat GPT 4.0-like moment for self-driving was coming. And uh, I've, I've been playing with the beta, and um, yeah, how, how close does it feel to you? Because it, it, some of the rides it's been doing for me are pretty darn impressive. The latest yeah. beta
3: is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, it's pretty pretty neat. I, you know, I used to love it on the highways and on the streets. I'd be like, okay, but now I'm using it increasingly on the streets. So, where do you? How do you feel about it right now? And I, I guess you made a lot of predictions on it over the years, um, but it, it does feel like it's getting pretty close.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's very close to uh, You know, being in a situation where even if there's no human oversight or intervention, that the probability of uh, a safe journey is is higher with FSD and no supervision, like even if you're asleep in the car, than if the person is driving. We um, were very close to that. Uh, you know, those that have the uh, FSD beta, which really anyone could get at this point. Um, so we're, we're the, the, my, the, the miles we see driven under the FSD beta currently are uh, much safer than the miles that are driven without it. Hmm. So, um, that's uh, you know, that's, that's already a, a very good milestone. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, it, you, you can just see that it's getting better. But like, um, if you see, if you, if you compare the, uh, you know, FSD beta today versus six months ago versus, not, you know, a year ago versus 18 months ago, it's really the improvement is dramatic yeah. um, and um, you know, we've got the final piece of the puzzle, which is to have the Control part of the car uh, transition from about 300,000 lines of C++ code to uh, also a neural network. So mm-hmm. the you know the whole system will be neural net in uh, neural network um, photons into controls out, and 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 that, that that's kind of the final piece of the puzzle for full stop driving being significantly better than human.
1: Wow. Awesome, uh, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Uh, fly safe, and I'll see you shortly, uh, ladies you. and gentlemen. Elon Musk. Thanks, bud.